and welcome to the SBK betting podcast a week after the week that was five glorious days of Royal Ascot and mouth watering racing action so much to go through so many fabulous performances and brilliant results and really pleased that TC and Ross Miller join me again it doesn't feel like yesterday guys that we were previewing Royal Ascot and now here we are Looking back on what was, as I said, splendid five days of action, uh, TC, I know that it was brilliant because we had all the international raiders. Sadly, I'd imagine from your perspective, the Americans didn't get the results that they wanted. No winners, but some great place efforts. What, what can you take away from it? Yeah, I thought Love Reigns and Campanelle both ran well for the US. Golden Powell obviously didn't show up. It was pretty disappointing the US didn't have a winner. Great for Australia that Nature Strip won the King's Stand. I thought that was the main talking point for Royal Ascot as well. An international contender coming over and winning. My highlight was probably Perfect Power from a personal perspective. Seeing him win saved me a, a great chunk from otherwise a terrible week. Um, and it was good to see that he's still the best three-year-old sprinter in Britain. Um, I thought Ryan Moore was fantastic throughout the whole week. It was a complete masterclass day after day and the horse to take out for me one that maybe go, will go under the radar because you know what you don't always look back at, back at these handicaps and go yeah this horse will, will win next time if they finish the long way down the field but I liked uh, Tippy Toes in the Palace of Holyrood House on Friday I thought she ran extremely well she finished 14th people will just look at that form on paper and be like nah this horse didn't perform at Royal Ascot or whatever but she had a terrible trip throughout she was in real trouble from two furlongs to one furlongs she finished the race really nicely and she's had such bad traffic in running. Tippy Toes is one for the tracker. Okay, really interesting that, Tippy Toes. Not one that you would expect because there were so many obvious performances. So great to, to unearth the ones that might go under the radar, as you say. Ross, as, as Tom touched upon, some fabulous riding performances. That was definitely my highlight. You really get... The cream really rises to the top when you have a Royal Ascot like this. I thought Shane Cross was marvellous, exceptional, really intelligent ride on state of rest. But obviously, Ryan Moore just outshining them all. What was the standout for you? Uh, I really enjoyed Perfect Power. I've watched it back a few times. and I, Actually, the more you watch it, the more impressed I am with it. Um, but I think probably the performance of the week for me was probably in Spiral. Um, and, I, and I say that through a, a slight vinegar taste in my mouth because uh, she did everything I thought she wouldn't do. Um, if she steps forward from that, she's a real, real top class filly. She looks like she might even be better at 10 furlongs, uh, which is a, a fearsome prospect. So for me to come and do that off the prep she'd had uh, against a decent field, I, I thought was really impressive. So, so she would uh, slightly reluctantly uh, confessing to being my highlight of the week. And considering that there was no Homeless Songs, uh, I think that whatever Royal Ascot does, which I think is always so brilliant, is that it sets up some really exciting clashes and Homeless Songs and Spiral, the idea of Baid and Caribus and maybe even in Spiral and a Sussex state, something like that. What we've got to look forward to for the rest of the summer, that's huge, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, it pulls it all together. I think it finds a little bit of a peck in order amongst the Colts and the Phillies. I'd be slightly inclined to think that the Phillies are maybe a better bunch than the Colts. So you'd hope that uh, maybe they'll pitch the Phillies against the boys at, at some point sooner rather than later. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for me, it was, a, it was a tough betting week. I'm not going to lie. Nature Strip was by far my most impressive performance of the week. Really put the cat amongst the pigeons. And I thought it was, it was, it was great that the international, essentially there their faith in Royal Ascot was rewarded. Um, I have such a soft spot for Heredia. I think that's a filly that 
will come out and be in Patton Company now. She's a winner of the Sandringham for Richard Hannon and she gets herself into a lot of trouble, but she is now um, still unbeaten. And I think she should uh, be one to follow what they do with her. She's only three and she's uh, beautifully bred. And I, I think that she can continue on in that up upward trajectory. So yeah, so much fallout from Royal Ascot. I know that as I was as saying, that we're going to have a lot more to look forward to with a lot of these winners lining up against um some other contenders that actually missed Royal Ascot. So plenty to look forward to as the season unfolds. But we're going to look at this weekend. Um, we've got a big feature race in the shape of the Irish Derby. And there's more drama pre-race than actually we even know about the race yet. As we've got the most exciting aspect, if anything, for me, is that the Oaks winner Tuesday has been supplemented by Aidan O'Brien. This is really interesting. Obviously, Tom... The Ballydor team lack strength and depth in terms of their Colts. Tuesday was potentially a lucky winner of the Oaks. It's tricky to do this. You've got to go back to 1994 when there was the last filly that won this race. Some have attempted, only a handful. New York girl was seventh in 2020. But it adds a good, a, a good sort of recipe to what is already a, a nice feel to this race. Yeah, I think Tuesday's inclusion and the fact that she's been supplemented by Aidan O'Brien for the Irish Derby is a huge tick in the box for this race because without Tuesday, I mean, I think this would be a pretty dire affair for a Group 1 Irish Derby feature in the best three odds around. We would have Westover as a really short price favourite. Obviously, he finished third at Epsom, but he didn't really show the tactical speed to even be a Derby horse that day. I think he ran OK. He probably would have finished second with a clear run, but he was staying on past beating horses. And if he was going to go off a short price favourite in the Irish Derby, then... I mean, it wouldn't really have warmed, warmed the cockles very much. Um, so the fact that Tuesday is in the field, you know, it gives a different angle to the race. It looks like, well, it's being billed as a match between the two. But I'm interested to see which Aidan O'Brien runners are going to turn up. Obviously, we're recording this on the Wednesday before final declarations are out. So we're not 100% sure of the final field yet. But if a couple of other Aidan O'Brien horses do turn up in this race to supplement um, and go alongside Tuesday, then this really could be a, a decent renewal, much like last year, actually. I think the Irish Derby is generally a pretty weak race, but last year's Renault was really, really good uh, with Hurricane Lane eventually winning. And I think this year's Renault could have the depth if Aidan does decide to back up Tuesday with a couple of Colts. Yeah, it's true that it does have a feel, the same sort of makeup. Hurricane Lane, a third, lost his front shoes, wasn't it, in the Derby, and then went on and won um, the Irish Derby en route to more success over in France. And then obviously the St. Ledger Ross. I said drama, that's not just it. Tuesday, obviously coming into it is, is really sort of a spice it up. But I suppose the big talking point is that Rob Hornby has been replaced by Colin Keane. Rob rode Westover to slightly unlucky third place. But Colin Keane has been booked to ride by Judd Munt, you know, he sits on 99 winners at the Curra, whereas Rob has only ridden there once. So you can kind of see where Job Munt's coming from, but it's it must be extremely disappointing for Rob. Yeah, it, I, I was thinking about this actually this morning. I, I take the view that um, it, it's, it's very much like trying to find your selection, isn't it, in a race. You, you want a horse that likes the ground, likes the trip, is well handicapped, all the rest of it. It, it, it's got to be a bit like that when finding the ideal jockey for the horse. I put a huge emphasis from my, my background in, in my eventing sport on knowing my horses. I could go out onto my yard now and I could pretty much tell you where every dropping in the stable would be, how much water they've drunk by now. You can tell their mood by, by knowing them. Um, I have always failed to understand that not more emphasis is put on that with a, with a jockey that you know, I had to get on a horse and I could tell what sort of mood it was in. Well, if you've never sat on that horse and you're getting your first feel down to the start 
you're not really knowing whether they're in a good shape, whether they're actually a bit more keen than they would normally be, in which case you might ride them with a bit more restraint than you, than you initially intended. But then you contradict that with the fact that, that Colin Keane just knows this track so well. So, yeah, you do. I, I do think he's been hard done by. And I don't think he gave him a bad ride in the derby. If, if he'd have found traffic through a poor choice, then, then fair enough. But he didn't have the horse to take the gap that was there. He had to wait because the horse needed him to wait. So I feel a bit sorry for him, but you can understand why they've made the decision. It's really tricky because you, you feel like if Rob had the perfect run through, would they still have cha- changed jockey? And because we know how gutted he was, it feels like another, a double dagger into the heart to say, right, we know you're gutted. We're going to make it even worse to you and say you can't have your, your redemption day, your at least attempt to, to, to have things pan out smoothly for you. So it's, it's harsh on Rob, but as I said, it's similar to when Tom Marquand got jocked off English King in the derby a couple of years ago and then came and won the St. Ledger uh, later on in the year. So look, I like to hope that he'll have his opportunities, but we'll go into this this race because, um, you know, it, it needs a lot of uh, looking at. Um, and I, I know that we've all got our own various um, opinions on it as well. So we'll go straight into our selections, I suppose, for, for the Irish Derby. Tom, you were saying it does have a similar makeup to last year. You got the, the third in the Derby from last, from this year. You've also got some unexposed. You've got the cocked hat winner, a bit like last year with Lone Eagle, in the shape of Lionel, but then you throw in Tuesday, the filly in the race. So it's a shape of a race, the, the out-and-out Derby feel to it. it. You know, you've got an Oaks winner, versus some horses that potentially looking at it from my perspective I thought Westover just looked like he needed every inch of that one mile four so if anything is it Tuesday that's more likely where where do you think the betting is going to shape around this yeah I think they're going to go off similar prices maybe six to four and 13 to eight I'm not quite sure which order Um, I think Tuesday is by far the most likely winner out of the two Westover yes finished third in the derby and is therefore going to take some attention um, but as Ross said, and as you've said, I think he's a mile six horse um, at bare minimum. That's when we're going to see him at his best. And I don't really think the car is going to suit him overly well. I want to be taking him on, um, especially at a short price. He entered the derby as a horse that people weren't really considering as a major win threat. And the fact he caught the eye, finishes always catch the eye, don't they? No matter what race, what distance you run over. And then they're generally overbet next time out. I think Westover is a poor value play in here. And he may well go and win but I don't want to be backing him over this trip. Tuesday's the most likely winner, as we said, but Phillies just don't win this race on a regular basis. 1994, the last time. Um, so I'm just going to look at something at a bigger price. And there really isn't that much depth in this race. Obviously, we don't have the final fields just yet, but if you're looking at huge prices, really hard to make a case for any of them. Um, Hannibal Barca is an interesting runner for Joseph O'Brien if he turns up, but he didn't really look overly uh, enamoured with going through with his final effort last time out. So I'm not too sure about his resolution. I'm just going to side with Stone Age at this at this stage. If he doesn't run, he doesn't run. But he was very impressive in his first two runs this year. Hacked up in a maiden. Won the derby trial at Leopardstown with great ease from the front. I don't really think Epsom suits him last time. Yes, he was ridden in third. Kind of the position I thought he would be in. And he travelled through the race beautifully. But as soon as he was let down by Ryan Moore, he just didn't find anything off the bridle. Finished sixth, got squeezed out. The connections did say he might not have stayed, and that is a slight issue. And maybe that will be the reason why he doesn't run here if he doesn't run. However, I think they're going to be more aggressive with him. He's a horse that seems to be at his best on the front. And we've seen the Curra as a massive speed track in the past. Horses have gone clear in the Irish Derby, likes of Serpentine. Uh, Sovereign has gone clear in the Irish Derby and won this race. Um, nothing's come from behind. I think Stone Age will be the perfect horse tactically to win an Irish Derby. 
if he runs, I think he's a good value player around seven or eight to one. He's the one I thought, uh, Tom, that might have just got a little bit upset as well by the fireworks. He got very, very hot, didn't he? He just didn't look always that happy, you know, travelling over as well. I know he went over to France, wasn't it, as a, as a two-year-old, but he just never looked like the horse that we saw at Leopardstown the time before. Yeah, I think there are good reasons why he didn't produce his best. The track, as you say, the prep and the build-up towards the race might not have been ideal. Ada Brian's horses do tend to get sweaty when they come over. I, I do notice that on a regular basis. I don't know whether it's a Galileo thing or I don't know what it is, but they do tend to get quite sweaty. Um, maybe Stone Edge will just be seeing to much better effect. And he hasn't actually got that much to find with the market protagonists likes of Tuesday and Westover in this race on official ratings. Yeah, OK. Well, Tuesday, I remember sort of went down to post. I remember the, the three Aidan O'Brien horses went going down in their own time to the Oaks very slowly and gently. And I thought, Ross, that Tuesday was a bit of a standout physically and, you, and you'd expect it as well. You know, she's beautifully bred. But I wonder what you think, because I thought she, she just about held on, didn't she? And she, if anything, I thought she might have come back, back in trip. So with, with her, Tuesday looks like maybe one that, doesn't you just only just gets one mile four and Westover looks like he needs further because it could be somewhere that some horse in there that just needs who gets the sweet spot just better yeah I think you'd be happier with, with Tuesday if uh, if they do run something else alongside her a to give her a little bit of protection in the race because I'm sure if you're on a colt you're going to want to try and try and dominate her a little bit physically through the part of the race if you can and B, just to make sure that the race is run at a tempo that's going to suit her and not, not suit the strong stayers. Um, but I think on ability-wise, it's not even close her getting through. I, I think she's got the single best piece of form at, at, at this trip. I think if Emily Upjohn was in here, she'd argue the odds on. Um, so I, I think she's by far and away the most likely, the most likely uh, winner. Um, and, and I think she's, she's got more enough to cope with Westover, who... I think it's probably a nice horse. I think Westover and Lionel, um, Lionel needed every inch of a mile for an enlisted contest on soft ground last time. I think they're going to be really interesting for the, for the St. Ledger going forward, but I just cannot see them having a tactical speed uh, to match Tuesday in this. So I think, she, I think she'll win it quite comfortably, provided it doesn't turn into an absolute slog. The other one I'd throw in of, of interest is Pisbadil. He just didn't hand Epsom whatsoever. But on his Lippestown run before that, over 10 furlongs, he really galvanised himself well in the last half furlong to beat Buckaroo going away. He should stay a mile four, should handle this track. I think he could chase her home. But uh, Tuesday for me is the, is the winner of this. OK, confidence for Tuesday to, to defy all the stats and, uh, and, and be the first filly since 94. Lionel is the horse that you picked up on that I, I'm going to put a bit more confidence behind. He's around 10 to 1, which is... I wouldn't want him any shorter now because he's he's only had the three runs. He got off the mark in the cocked hat, similar to Lone Eagle did last year. He ran an absolute blinder to finish second in this race last year. Davin Manuzier believes that this is a better horse than what he's shown. I think he won despite the race not working out in his favour. They absolutely crawled, went no gallop at all. I'd like to have a big field, a big setup. As you said, it's Wednesday. We don't know what the full, full field sizes are, but... He gets a stronger gallop and a little bit of rain, which I think they're due over the next couple of days. That will suit this horse, but he does need to improve big time. It's a sort of a, it's a sort of unnervy bet because I don't, I'm like TC sort of against the top two in the market. Um, and if any of them, I'll put some faith into Lionel, son of Lope de Vega, who's definitely 
as both guys said, will want even further than this in time, but he's been kept fresh, whereas the others are off the back of hard races, you'd imagine, hard races at Epsom. So that's always something that is um, to keep in mind. Um, okay, so that's the Irish Derby. That's the feature, the, the classic on, on offer on Saturday. Um, another brilliant betting race is always the Northumberland Plate, which takes place at 3.30 at Newcastle on Saturday. Again, we're still without our final fields, but... We've got a, a favourite in the shape of Rajinsky currently with Harry Davies, but in Trushan uh, is looking likely to run in this race. Holly Dahl booked. Alan King couldn't run him in two options at Royal Ascot last week because of the ground, but he'll have fair surface on the all-weather at Newcastle. So, uh, Tom, this adds a, a good dimension to the race because he sort of helps all, a lot of horses out in terms of weight-wise. Um, so it's good to have him in the race. Does it help your selection? Yeah, this is a much better betting heat than the Irish Derby. Great to see Trushan turn up. Obviously, couldn't run in his two um, entries at Royal Ascot due to the ground. He ran in this race last year, finished sixth off, a top, off top weight. He's going to be carrying proper top weight this time around as well by the looks of things. Already 10 stone eight um, currently with his mark of 120. Rajinsky, as you mentioned, the favourite, finished third in this race last year. Back again, bit of a course specialist and should run well under the leading apprentice. However, this race, I always look at it with the angle of has Brian Ellison got anything? He targets this race. It's eluded him over the years. I can't believe Seymour lost when he finished second a few years back. Um, he looked by far the likely winner. And to provide Brian Ellison with that big, elusive victory in the Northumberland plate, I think this year he will finally do it. And he's bought a horse in one smooth operator, I think purposely just to win this race. Purchased him for 65,000 guineas from David Simcock last year. And it's just been teetering away with him. He's run him a couple of times over this course and distance, another time over shorter at Newcastle. And then he re returned this, um, this year with a run on turf, and he's just not as good on turf. He's got a beautiful US pedigree. He's bred for the dirt on, on all-weather tracks, synthetic surfaces. So I think I can only imagine this has been the, the only target for one smooth operator. He's been placed, finishing the frame, on 11 of his 12 all-weather starts. There is so much going in his favour. I love his running style for this race. There's a big field, 20 runners. They're going to go hard early. He's a hold-up horse. He's going to move into the field. And last year with Nicholas T, who won this race, came from last to first. I think it's going to be a similar case with one smooth operator. He can run off a mark of 95, so he's £3 well in. And I think this is just the perfect time. He's going to be primed for the race. He's going to be around 8, 9 to 1. That's just a great bet and definitely my bet of the week away from my nap. Oh, exciting. Well, yeah, definitely an interesting insight if you think Brian Ellison is uh, just sort of loves this race and, and wants to find the ideal horse for it. And he, he clearly sort of ran him last time, maybe just to get another run under his belt, just to, just to get, get him spot on for today, do you reckon? Yeah, exactly. Blow away the cobwebs at York. That race was run at a real stop-start gallop. It didn't suit any horse in the race whatsoever without a fight won the race. But um, it clearly just didn't suit one smooth operator who was held up last Nothing came from behind, aside from John Lepo, who stayed on powerfully in the final furlong for minor money. Um, I just put a, a complete line through that. It was definitely getting rid of the rust and, and priming him for this race. Okay, so he's about 10 to 1 as it stands. He might even get shorter um, when we get the de um, decoration, declarations in. And we've had a mixed bag, um, Ross, with this race in the past. We've seen some, some well-fancied um, horses come in and Hugo Palmer did well in it a couple of years ago with Caravan of Hope who went off favourite and Rajinsky is for him as well do you see this coming from someone at the top of the market is it obvious this year uh, all weather bumpers are always tricky Jess <laughs> um, um, in truth I don't and I'd want to be against Trushan just in terms of a preparation you know he'd have had to have been got ready for a 
for his main target of the season, the Ascot Gold Cup on the Thursday, wouldn't have had a run. Now, ordinarily in that scenario, you'd probably give him a piece of work on the Friday because you've tuned him up there at boiling point. Well, you couldn't have given him a piece of work on Friday because you might well be running the Queen Alexandra on the Saturday. So I just don't like that from a, from a, from a preparation point of view. You're sort of moving the target all the time. It, I don't need much reason to take him on, so I'm, that's enough for me. Um, the one I've landed on is, is, is Golden Flame. We're a bit like TC Selection, has a, a, a dirt pedigree. Um, he clearly didn't stay two and a half miles last time in the, in the Ascot Stakes. Um, before that, he's been a winner on your weather at Chelmsford, um, and he beat Pied Piper over, over 14 furlongs. Well, that's not a shoddy bit of form. Um, and then he's been second to Valley Forge at Haydock on his penultimate start. He was beaten ahead, giving Valley Forge four pound. Now gets a two pound pull at the weights. Valley Forge is, is to the head of the market and, and Golden Flame is going to be a, a decent double figure price um, in, a, in a sector that I don't have a, a, a huge amount of uh, knowledge on. I just thought he was far too big a price um, for, for, a, for a yard who wouldn't be adverse to turning him out fairly quickly. Um, with these much overused for age, tough Mark Johnston horse. But uh, there you go. You think it's the kind of race, I know you don't know, it's not your the race that probably inspires you of all of, the, of all of them throughout the year, but do you think that this is the kind of race where you can lead and, and, and set the pace and, and, and control it, which you'd imagine Golden Flame will do? Yeah, I, I, think, I think you can. Um, and I think he's got to get to the front. He's got to try and control it. Um, he, he's not going to, going to navigate himself through, through traffic. Um, so from a, from a, from a price point of view, I just couldn't understand disparity in price between him and Valley Forge. Okay. Yeah. He's around about the 33 to one mark again, uh, not yet with declarations. in. so interesting horses, obviously, you know, this is the race that trainers and, and the likes will target when they see their horses is sort of looking like the ideal type and I think at the beginning of the year the horse that I'm going to put up, put up wasn't necessarily one of those whereas TC has got a selection that probably Brian Ellison has bought with this in mind I don't necessarily think Spirit Mixer was going to always be a Northumberland plate horse at the beginning of the year um, he's had to find his winning ways and he, he got back to them at Salisbury at the beginning of the season in May and then he's just really been on a on a good upward curve since and Callum Hutchinson he's riding on a bit of a crest of the way full of confidence after his big race ride success at Royal Ascot last year this is a horse that Andrew Balding is entrusted in him um to to sort of use his five pound claim but also to sort of educate him as a race rider and this horse hasn't looked always that easy he's beautifully bred by Frankel out of Arabian Queen he's bred to be better than what he was at the beginning of the season which was a rating of 79 He's now for Marcus 97 and you can forgive him for his last run at Chester where I, I don't think things panned out the way that he wanted to. But if you go back to his Chelmsford run in May where he just travelled so strongly and he'll benefit from a really good run race. Um, I think that he'll be really suited by um, the Northumberland plate, plate makeup and uh, he's a horse that is just thriving at the moment and I like to like to hope that he represents a bit of value at around 11 to 1. Um, Andrew Balding will have a, a few darts to throw at this rate. So Northumberland play, always a good betting heat, as Tom was saying, um, and plenty to look forward to, especially when we get our declarations in as well. But we're going to go into now our bets of the week. And um, Ross and, and Tom have the opportunity to pit their nap, which can be anywhere on Saturday. 
um, but we need a good case for it as well. So Ross, I'm going to come to you first and uh, your bet of the week, please. So my, my bet of the week comes in the 225 from Russell on your weather. Um, and Glenn Shields stood out a mile to me. Um, he comes out comfortably the best at the weights if you take out uh, the three-year-old Ebro River and you have to take him out because his form this year has just been nowhere near what he was doing last year. He's got to be opposed. Uh, Glenn Shield is an experienced sprinter. Um, I think he can dominate for this from the front. I think he'll break quicker than Sensor Duty and Spy Catcher who will want to go forward. And I think he'll, he'll dominate this. He's won his last two at Newcastle on your weather. He's two from four. Um, he's not favourite. I think he should be favourite and I think he wins this for Holly Doyle. Okay, Glenn Schill there, yeah, the Holly Doyle, who again, riding with so much confidence, and this is one of the horses that has really sort of elevated her career, so that's for Ross. Tom, where are you looking? Yeah, Newcastle as well, uh, this time in the 5.13, a horse called Spirit Dancer. Last year, he ran in this race, broke really well, but was super keen behind a slow pace, pulled his, heart, uh, pulled his head out for the first mile of the event, and just didn't settle at all, but then produced a withering run and still managed to win decisively by a clear margin. That came off a mark of 85. We've seen him four times since, each occasion on turf. I think he's a much better all-weather horse. He looks like another horse that's been targeted at this meeting to win this race once again. He's down to a mark of 92, um, but his best RPR is 101. I think he still remains well handicapped. And they're going to go a faster clip this year. There are horses in here that want to make the pace. So I think this race is going to set up perfectly for Spirit Dancer, who's a, a very much unexposed on the all-weather and still open to plenty of improvement. Okay, Spirit Dance in the 5.13 at Newcastle. So plenty to look at at Newcastle this weekend. Newmarket has uh, got a good race race card. And that's where I'm going to go to for the Maureen Britain Memorial Empress Philly States listed race um, over six furlongs, 205. And Minnetonka, who created a huge impression on debut when bolting up at Salisbury, beating a good looking field on paper. What she beat um, is still to be tested, but she is bred to be very good. Um, she's by Kingman and is the first follow of Perfect Angel, who's group placed at two. And she was second to Harry Angel, no less than the Mill Reef. So her dam was very good and very precocious as a, a juvenile. Um, and she's also a half sister to group three winner, Angel's Hideaway, who was very speedy. So there's lots like on pedigree, but she's got the class to take it up a notch as well. And you'd imagine that they'd be hoping that they could even think of things like the guineas and the likes next year. But there's lots like on pedigree. She is doubly entered on the weekend. She's got a, a race at Windsor as well, but I'd imagine they're going to give this listed race a go. The Richard Hannon team, um, Pat Dobbs has already booked on Minnetonka for Saturday at Newmarket. Um, I'm just keen to follow her wherever she goes. Um, she's currently about five to two. So that's my bet of the week for Saturday. We're also going to go into place plays from Ross, Tom and myself because SBK has placed odds place only odds on all races and um i think there's clearly plenty to look look forward to this weekend and there's probably a couple tc that you like that are at bigger odds yeah there's this one and it's a race that i think you've looked at as well for a, a good race for a place play and that's the 420 of the car the, the group three international stakes there are some interesting horses in here last year's rs 2000 guineas winner mcsweeney's in the field tetrarch stakes winner buckaroos in there as well and an improving filly called rumbles of thunder but all three enter the race with big doubts. McSweeney's been really disappointing ever since he won the RS2000 Guineas, for example, and he's the likely market leader. So it's a good race for a place play. And I like Helvick Dream at around eight to one. Obviously, that's the win price. The place odds will be odds against. Um, he's, there is a question mark whether he runs because he does need give underfoot. However, he's got decent form on good ground, good enough form to suggest that he'll be able to compete in, this, in a race of this nature. 
I like how he's run so far this year. Now, I know he finished eighth of eighth last time out, but he wasn't well suited by the race. He was held up last in a race dominated by those up front. I think he'd be ridden much more aggressive this time around. He's got two wins, two places from seven starts at the Curra, well suited by the track. I just think he's going to run into a place and he's perfect for this place place segment. I suppose it's um, worthwhile that I throw my two cents in the same race because it also comes in this race, the 420 at the Curra, um, purely because I've been following Ross Carberry and her upward trajectory all season and also Paddy Toomey, fast becoming one of my favourite trainers in Ireland. He places his horses very well and they always seem to have a little bit left to give. And despite Ross Carberry winning her last four races on the trot, she looks like she could be still improving. She won despite hanging in the Munster Oaks last time. This race is definitely stronger. She does have two entries this weekend, so it's interesting to see which one uh, Paddy Toomey chances with her. They're both over 10 furlongs, and although she might be up against Colts and she possibly even wants further than this, um, I think they're, they're willing to, to, give, to give a bigger prize a go. And if she takes up the international stakes engagement, she... She's just the improver compared to some questionable types. Tom obviously um, has mentioned um, his selection there, uh, Helvet Dream, but you know he comes off the back of a disappointing run last time. So uh, for my selection, Ross Carberry, um, she's she's definitely the horse there that's uh, got a lot more positives and negatives in her favour. So she's around twelve to one um, for a big day at the Curra on Saturday. So place play for Ross, this is where you thrive. So we're hoping that you've, we found a gem for you here, Ross. Yeah, it was just a bit too far out to have a good dig at Utoxeter. So I've, <laughs> I've, I've, I've stuck with some hard study at uh, Newcastle on your weather. And um, one that stood out, I think he's going to offer big price, is Auriferous for uh, the boarding yard. Possibly they might use Callum Hutchinson to, uh, to claim again. Um, he's got good form on your weather. He's won at Southall. He's been placed twice at Kempton. He's golden horn out of a Selkirk, so he should stay. And he has got one really nice piece of form over this trip at Newbury, finishing half a length behind a horse with no name. Horse with no name is rated 95. He's 130 plus rated hurdler. Um, I think he's well worth trying over this trip on your weather off a mark of just 84. If they claimed anything off that, I think he could really outrun what I expect to be some decent odds. Okay, interesting place to play. We've got a lot to look forward to at Newcastle um across the weekend start attack it's a new feature and i can see that smile look at him beaming <laughs> tom collins has been waiting for this all his life what have you got for us yeah a huge fan of this new feature i have to say jess uh two stats for you now obviously we're, we're far out so it's really difficult to get a, a good stat that people may miss but a couple of trainer stats um the first is charlie appleby uh, he's had eight winners from 19 runners at windsor in his career a 42 percent strike rate when you look across all the tracks, um, he averages around a 24% strike rate. So this is obviously quite noteworthy. It also produces a, a £1 level stakes profit. So make sure you follow Charlie Appleby's runners at Windsor. He has two runners in the listed midsummer stakes, or two entries, maybe just one runner. And those two entries are Modern News, who's already jocked up, and Art Deval, who's not. So maybe Modern News will be the horse to follow at Windsor on Saturday. The other stat attack, William Haggis, 33% with his three-year-olds at Newcastle. The best of any all-weather track by con some considerable margin for the trainer. He has two fillies entered at Newcastle, two three-year-old fillies. Sense of duty and perfect news. They're both in the group three chip chase stakes. Sense of duty will go off favourite if she runs. Um, and this is the 225 on Saturday. Okay, brilliant. Those are fab stats. I don't know if we can be able to, to follow them, Ross. Well, you know what, I'm like my stats, good. Jess. 
hundred percent of winners have four legs. Um, my, 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 my stat is more, more of an observation, really. Uh, Charlie and Mark Johnston have a stack of entries across Saturday, pretty much across the country, um, and multiple entries at most tracks. Fragrance is their only entry, uh, and she runs in the 248 at Windsor. She's their only entry there. Uh, she's also entered at Pontefract, which would be a, a, a much shorter trip for them. She entered there on the Monday. If she is entered and, and lines up at uh, Windsor on Saturday, I think that's a really notable uh, bit of travel, the price of fuel as it is, um, and I'd be keen to follow her. She's got some good form to her name as well. Okay, so some nice stats there. I'm going to go across the water. Not a huge stat, and it, it's possibly quite obvious, especially if you're a follower of the Irish form, but I mentioned Paddy Toomey. He's running at a 71% strike rate at the moment for the last 14 days, four winners from seven runners. And he's not a man to over race his horses. He doesn't have, he hasn't had a huge amount of runners of late, but he's got a good selection of entries at the Curra this weekend. So he's worth following um, just uh, as, a, as a trainer in, in hot form. And the other jockey in good form is an apprentice in Jake Cohen. He's had two doubles the last two days, but one at Sligo, which is a very tricky track to ride, and Ballon Robe the day before. He is worth a lot for his claim. He rides a lot for Joseph O'Brien. and imagine he'll be used to good effects in some of the big handicaps this weekend. Um, so he's a name to remember. Less of a stat, more of a, a side-on, an add-on for some, some, good, uh, some good names that are worth uh, thinking of when you're looking at the racing this weekend. So that is a good overall picture for you of um, the racing this weekend. So we've got your place play, your bet of the week, you've got your stats, you've got your main feature races from the Irish Derby and the Northumberland Plate. We've obviously got the entries that will be coming out on Thursday, um, but hope that we've given you something to inspire you for this weekend's racing a reminder that new sbk customers can get 30 pounds in free bets by depositing 10 pounds um, please remember to like subscribe um, on whatever podcast channel that you listen to um, there's obviously a lot of more podcasts and youtube content i know tom's doing um, plenty of that too and there's a lot of written word as well if you'd like some bedtime reading too so thank you for joining us as always we hope we've given you something to think about for this weekend and we'll be back again next week <laughs>